I have no idea how it took until now. The first show of 2024 for us to do a Room 101 review. I don't know how that's possible, but it is, and we're here, and it's not our 10th anniversary, but that's what we're smoking. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz. That right there is America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy, and this is the Room 101 10th anniversary cigar. It is a 6x52, only comes in one size, meaning it's six inches long. Fingers Malloy always makes him laugh. The ring gauge is a 52. That's the diameter of the cigar or how thick it is around. Again, with the, the laughter, a 64 ring gauge would be a full one inch around. Room 101, Matt Booth. Matt, B-O-O-T-H is his last name. Crazy cult following. People love this man's stuff. When we're at the PCA, we have not even tried to interview him because the guy's always mobbed. <laughs> mobbed. And he does a, a series of cigars. The Payback uh, are some of his uh, c- cigars. Some really wonderful stuff. He, he um, a Marine, uh, he then uh, came back to L.A. And, and started building out like a jewelry studio. He's, he's got some really great uh, art skills. And uh, then cigars started becoming a thing and, and started building and then was aligned with Davidoff for a while and now just just making stuff that people adore. So this, they're on the 13th anniversary now. This was the 10th anniversary cigar, which is Nicaraguan in the wrapper. Now, the binder and the filler, according to Cigar Aficionado, it's also Nicaraguan. According to other places, the tobacco is undisclosed, Fingers Malloy. Ooh. Right. It's like eleven herbs and spices kind of mystery. Yes, it's, it's the KFC of cigars, because <laughs> I'm sure that's how they, they want it described. Uh, it is a, a really pretty wrapper, a very classic standard dark brown uh, color, but a nice bit of oil and smoother than I would have thought because you can see the leaf. You can see where it, it comes together and blends with other leaf, but still smooth right there. You've lit this up, Fingers Malloy. What do you think? Well, you said I just lit this up. So, I mean, I'm barely in the first third, and I'm getting pepper and, and spice right on the light and maybe a, a, a bit of, of cedar at this point. But that's about it, and I'm sure it's going to change. <laughs> but... Uh, that's where I am right now. How about you? Yeah. Uh, so, so first things first. Uh, it's an absolutely beautiful draw, lit lovely. That spice is kind of fascinating because it's not, it's not a heavy white pepper. Um, it, it it is this mix of spice. For a second, I thought clove, and I'm like, no, that's not it. That's that. I'm I'm totally mistaken uh, uh, on that. It's this. It is this love. It's aromatic on the tongue. I think that's the way to put it. I like the cedar reference, uh, uh, the reference of, of wood there, kind, kind of being uh, the, the, the undertone. But the, what's weird is that this, 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 this fragrant spice that's happening finishes off as a touch sweet. So it, it, it's weird how, uh, you know, when you're bringing it into the palate, remember, you're not bringing it into the chest, you're just bringing it into the palate, toasting the palate. Um, it, 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 you feel this mix of spice, but when you engage that exhale, when you give it a moment, it almost rests kind of sweet on, on the tongue. It's a very, very pretty cigar. For it is, and for me, that spice, it really lingers on the back of my palate. 
I don't know if you're having the the same sensation that I am with I'm going to give it some time. I mean, we are just in the first third of the cigar. When you Get your notebook. If you haven't done it yet, it's a new year. By the way, Happy New Year, Fingers Happy Malloy. Happy New Year to By you By this well. new year, can I just say, you look just like you did a year ago. That is uh, the sweetest thing anyone has said to me in the last 20 seconds. You haven't aged a bit. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. wait, from this angle you have. Okay. From this angle. Before I was looking at you at the other angle, but this angle... Yeah. Not good. And by the way, my eyes are up here. Is that right? Yes. I'm not looking. Um, you want to break the cigar up. Get your notebook. What would you eat today? What would you drink today? What is the weather? Chilly in Indianapolis, Indiana, as we record a Blend Bar Cigar, blendbarcigar.com. Then take the cigar and you break it into thirds in your mind. First third, second third, final third. Write down what it is that you're getting out of the cigar. Even if you can't fully explain it, try. Get, just try. Put words down. Give yourself an idea. Then, when you go back to the cigar three months from now, six months from now, you write down your notes, compare the notes, get your through line. That's really what you got out of the cigar. We can't recommend that highly uh, uh, enough. Uh, I was There's a moment that I thought I was starting to get a bit of tobacco forward. That's not what I'm getting. That is not what I'm getting. This, this dance of really unique spices... That ends not only sweet, but a, the guys over at Cigar Aficionado described it as a touch bitter. And I don't know if they're wrong. Right? I don't know if they're right, but I can't say that they're wrong. That's exactly how I feel about this at the moment. A different profile than I thought I was going to get. A different profile that I think you get from a... Certainly a different profile I've gotten from any cigar I've had over uh, the break, and Fingers Malloy, I smoked everything. Yeah? I was in Florida for a while, home for a while. If I had the cigar, I smoked the cigar. And then I was in Florida for a little bit, and I came back with another 70 cigars. <laughs> so when you, ask why, when you ask why I have a 1,700-count humidor, it's because I come back from Florida with 70 cigars. So... Did you go with some of your old standard brands, or did you branch out, and uh, are you trying new things? And It's a new year. I reached into the humidor, and I said, here's my rare pink. Here is my Padron 50-year. Here's my uh, Golden Band Award winner from Davidoff. Here's my Royal Release from Davidoff. A bunch of those. Then I had some from Asylums, the Medulla Oblongatas. I had a few uh, of those. Uh, to, to smoke, it, it was a mix. It was a, it was a pretty unique, worthwhile mix. My Placencia Reservas, which are brought to me from a friend in Amsterdam. Uh, Ooh. Oh, oh, listen to you. I don't mean to brag, but I know people <laughs> who uh, have a lot of frequent flyer miles. Mm, That's okay. basically what I know right there. My friend from Amsterdam brought me a box of cigars. <laughs> it's exactly it's exactly how he sounds. <laughs> How did you do that? We have been doing this show for 15 years. I pick up a few things. This is the 10th anniversary from Room 101. Now, the question, Fingers Malloy, is this in your humidor for 10 bucks a stick? Yes. So far, so good. Yes. It, 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 it is, and, it, and it's going to be. Uh, but again, they do so many cigars and when we talk about like I'm not trying to disparage when I say cult like following people love themselves 
awesome map booth. A lot of people know the Namakubi, uh, which um, they 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 do. And I kind of I don't know if I put them on the map. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but certainly has its own popularity. Check them out for yourself. Room one zero one, number ones, not O N E. Room one hundred one cigars dot com. Smoking the tenth anniversary from Room one hundred one. It's a nice piece so far. That much is for sure. Find everything at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. Turns out no one's drinking beer anymore, except for Fingers Malloy. That's me. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz. That right there is Fingers Malloy. Find it all at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. NBC reporting. Beer drinking in America falls to the lowest level in a generation. Now, they want to add this or attribute this to the Bud Light to the Bud Light boycott, but I don't know if that's accurate because the Bud Light people just moved to Modelo and and some other things. It's that beer is just seen as well, partially it's seen as too pedestrian. People want a unique story, they want a unique flavor, a lot of move to spirits during COVID, uh, both bourbon and and tequila. The other part of it is generationally younger generations millennials gen z they don't they're they're not in they're not in for the alcoholic drinking at all fingers we've talked about this before there were at least before covid and i'm sure that uh at least at home the popularity expanded of uh mocktails and uh, you know going to new york city in manhattan and going to uh, I didn't want to call it a bar because I, I mean I guess you can that just served mocktails in Manhattan spending seventeen eighteen dollars for a, a drink that doesn't have booze in it boozeless right there so it has been for uh, for the first time since ninety nine nineteen ninety nine and that's how we were going to party there it is beer shipments fell below two hundred million barrels. Leading the decline is Anheuser-Busch. But again, it's not like those people stop drinking beer altogether. It's that younger generations have found other ways or they're not interested in the alcohol at all. I find it hard to believe that the people who decided that they were going to stop drinking Bud Light because of that whole controversy said, you know what, I'm going to just stop drinking beer altogether. I Correct. think you've got some, you, you got your finger on the pulse of something there. So this gets followed up by the, the I mean, what we do love a list. We, we adore a good list here at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. Or we're Eat, Drink, Smoke, and the website is EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. Much better said. The 10 tastiest non-alcoholic beers we've tried for dry January. Can we just take a moment? Uh-oh. Are you about to say something unpopular? Where can everyone get in touch with you on the internet? You can email me, fingers at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. Can you define for me what dry January is? Yes. So between uh, the date of January 1st and January 31st, you you don't drink. Why? Because people have decided between the date of January 1st and January 31st, they aren't going to drink. I don't know if it's that they're proving something to themselves. New Year... Uh, I'm trying to get healthier, maybe shed a few pounds. Maybe that's the reasoning. I I, I don't know. It's, it's so the answer to me. is don't drink. Maybe as one of the answers to drink less. 
we have a mutual friend who posted on social media the other day, and I won't mention his name. He had a whole list of things he was doing. And maybe this is a new trend that I haven't brushed up on. Uh, 90 day something where it was nine. Oh, oh, I know exactly. Hold on. I'll name names. You're talking about Larry <laughs> O'Connor, who is the morning host at WMAL in, in Washington, D.C. It's it's it is surreal what he's doing. Can you find it? Yeah, I'm going to find it. So it's it's a little bit um, like cleanse and it's a little bit. I think it's a little bit religious in nature yes. as well. And I'm like, but he's not doing it for a month. He's doing it for three months. No unnecessary social media when you're in radio. You're going to do a little bit of it. Read it. It's Exodus 90, I guess. What in the so, world? At least one hour of prayer, scripture, and contemplation. No alcohol. No soft drinks. No snacks or sweets. No TV. No video games. No recreational social media. No recreational use of devices. No hot showers. It does not say no hot showers. Bottom oh my one. gosh, it says no hot showers. Larry! Okay, well, I can't condone that part of it. What? See, that's not dry January. That is, there are these things that are taking up my time, and I would like to bring back some focus to my life. That I consider admirable. That makes sense to me. Read the first is, part of that. Would, you can start Exodus, Exodus 90 today. Follow the story of Moses and the Israelites. Oh, my gosh. See, like, I had no see, idea Moses decided that he was not going to use social media for 90 days. Oddly enough, didn't video game either. I, am, I for one, am shocked. But that I kind of get. That's about kind of a recentering yourself. Look at these things that are taking my time. I'm reclaiming the time for something that... Has that provides me more purpose. I get that. Uh, you're, you're not going to get me to be down with the hot shower thing. I, I, I'm just not not there for that. But I don't know if I need a 90-day period where I don't use, uh, uh, don't play a video game. So, for example, my kids play video games, and I am now a pretty good Fortnite player. Oh. When I play, I get to be around them. And so we're, we end up playing. We end up talking a little and I utilize it in that way. And, and it's very, very good. If I was somebody who was just sitting around for hours playing on my own, away from them, that would be a problem. So what Larry is doing, I get. Dry January doesn't make sense to me. That is kitschy. Yeah. And, and, and I'm bothered by I just wonder if it is people who want to prove to themselves that they can do it. And, you know, so many people think that they are going to change their lives come January 1st. Right. Whether, whether it's, uh, you know, with their New Year's resolutions, I'm going to become fitter. I'm going to become, uh, you know, I'm going to eat better. Well, most of that, those resolutions are things that they think that they're going to, it's going to be a life-changing thing. Where with dry January, it's like, okay, it stops at the 31st. You know, there's a, there's an ending, right? So maybe that makes it a little bit. E- it's like okay, I'm doing something. I'm changing my life for a little while, right? It goes bit. from j- dry January to effed up February, <laughs> <laughs> and you don't even remember. Yeah, have you uh, have, I have you ever gotten into non-alcoholic beers? No. 
no, no. I'm, I'm a, you know me, I'm a sipper. I'm not enough drinker, uh, to, not enough of a drinker to count, but there are so many now. Athletic Brewing Free Wave Hazy IPA, Best Day Brewing Colch, the Sam Adams Just the Haze Non-Alcoholic IPA, the Brooklyn Brewery Special Effects Hoppy Amber, the Guinness 0.0 Draft. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I have no idea what to do with that. I mean, there's, there's a lot of them. Here's an Untitled Art. That's the name of the brand. Non-alcoholic chocolate milk stout. Okay. I try that. Why not have chocolate milk? Well, there's that. But uh, I just remember as a bartender back in the early 90s, it felt like there were only two or three. There was Sharps. O'Doul's. O'Doul's. And St. Pauli Girl used to make uh, a well, non Well, they did make a non-alcohol. Yeah, and it was like two or three, and that was about it. And now, just like everything else... When it comes to microbrews and and you know the breweries have opened up all over the country now, there's tons of non-alcoholic options. I'm not opposed to someone drinking a non-alcoholic beer. Beer, if it works for you, it does. It's the dry January part. I don't know. Something about that rubs me wrong. If there's one thing that we like to do more than answer questions from Eat Drink Smoke Nation, I I don't know what it is, Tony. Eat brisket. Anything Smoke else? Smoke cigars. Okay. Drink bourbon. Okay. Foot massage. Eh. Wrestle alligators. I don't like people touching my feet. You don't want people touching your feet? I don't even like touching my feet. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Fingers Malloy, and he's Tony Katz. Remember, the book, Let's Go Barbecue, is available at Amazon.com. Valentine's Day is right around the corner. I can't think of a better Valentine's Day gift. Nothing says love like hot meat. Oh, that would look great on a bumper sticker. Done. (laughs) So... We will make the bumper stickers, and then we will give them away. That That's wonderful. But will it say, in quotes, that, and then eat, drink, smoke? I think it just should say Tony Katz. Um, also good. Also good fingers. Well, I, I want to uh, answer this question from Alan, who actually submitted this a few weeks ago, and I wish we would have gotten to it uh, at the end of last year because a lot of people did their holiday travel, and we're past that. Uh, Alan writes, I'd love to hear your views, thoughts, experiences, and recommendations on carrying cigars through our country's lovely commercial air travel system. I recently traveled with a few cigars, a cutter, and a lighter. The TSA's site clearly states no torches, so I left it at home. I did bring a regular Zippo. So what are our experiences when it comes to traveling with cigars and also torch lighters. I, I'm glad you asked, and Alan, thank you. Uh, appreciate uh, the, the, the email at, at all times. So I travel, like you, with cigars all the time. I will never recommend to you traveling with a torch lighter. The TSA says no to torch lighters. With that said, I know plenty of people who travel with a torch lighter and no problem. Now, in, in this, I'm talking about in, in carry-on luggage. But the TSA says no to that. The TSA says no to torch lighters, and I have had torch lighters taken from me by the TSA. I have had them question cutters before, but usually they 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 get with the supervisor and they're like, no, 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 that's fine. Cigars themselves, uh, you should in in depending on where you're going. You should invest in one of two things. If it's a short trip, 
and you're not going to smoke that many cigars. They make a three-cigar carrier, right? You pull off the top. It could fit in your suit pocket because you should wear a suit when you're traveling, uh. Fingers Malloy. Uh, I would invest in one of those. Uh, you can get them so they're, they're, they're metal. You can get them in, in leather. I have one that was given to me by my late father-in-law. That's actually alligator. Uh, you know, it, 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 so those always work. But there are plenty of places, and your local cigar lounge will have one. You can also find them online. A hard case, and it'll sometimes have like a built-in puck, basically mm-hmm. where you're supposed to put the distilled water. I never use that. I use a Boveda pack or, or uh, sometimes a tube of gel uh, that you can get on Amazon or, or wherever else. It'll hold 8 to 10, depending on the cigars, and I throw the cutter in there. Matches are totally fine to take. That's the way uh, to, to, to travel with it. You want to travel. You want something with a hard side because you don't want your cigars destroyed. I would invest in one of those. Yeah. I For me, I'm not saying this would work for everyone, but like Tony said, I have what's called a herfador. Right. Uh, it's, it's hard plastic on the outside. It's got that little puck, like you said. I never use it. I also get a, a little Bovita pack uh, and put that in there. It can hold up to 10 cigars. That's great. Never always carry my cigars on uh, the airplane with me. I don't check cigars. Uh, as far as the torch goes, I know of people, winky winky, I know of people who will put them in their check bag, maybe in their uh, shaving kit, and they haven't had any problems. What I will say when you do travel is... If you're going to do something like that, which I don't recommend either because the TSA tells you not to do that and we don't want to break any rules, uh, have a torch lighter that is not your favorite torch lighter, something that you don't mind losing if it gets confiscated. Oh, I would never travel with any lighter that costs actual money. Not a chance. And you are better off when you get to wherever you get through Instacart or something else, just have it delivered. Mm-hmm. Stop at a Walgreens or a CVS, and you can get yourself. They, they often have torch lighters, uh, and and uh, for like seven or eight bucks. And then be not don't be afraid to just leave it at the hotel. Just toss it. It's done. Yep, that's what I've done. Uh, you know, and I, I actually have one on me that I got from a Walgreens, the Turbo Blue. I've, I've had got this, mine right here. I've had this darn thing for like three years. It has never crapped out on me. It's never let me down. Uh, and the reservoir on this, in terms of how much uh, propane it'll, 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 or butane, I should say, yeah. it, it will hold. It's massive. Yeah. I've also, you'd be surprised. I was in Texas, and uh, in a pinch, I needed a torch lighter, and I found one on an end cap at Walmart with the other Bic lighters. And it was butane, and it was actually refillable, but it was so cheap. It was like $1.99. And the flame <laughs> didn't come up very high, but it got me through the weekend, and that's all that mattered to me. I will admit that I am not a big believer in spending real money on, on lighters. Uh, if, if you ask me when I'm on traveling, you know, I'll just I'll, I'll use what I can, and very often that's a single flame. For my home use, I do like a triple or a quad. I really do. Uh, or, or I like uh, some, some of the lighters that kind of fan out a, a little bit more for, for the idea of coverage and, and some more even coverage and maybe lighting a, a, little, bit, a little bit faster. I, I like how that feels. 
the the single flame for for pinpoint, right? Mm. It make, makes perfect sense. But the idea of lighting the whole of the foot at one time and being able to get a more perfect kind of toasting of, of the foot and then a lighting of the cigar. I like I like a triple or, or, or a quad flame. Well, for me, I am in the same camp as you are when it comes to spending a lot of money on a lighter. I, unless I found something that would be a beautiful table top lighter or something like that, I could see spending the money. But a lot of times I'm smoking... Uh, in my garage or on on the back patio, and if I drop it, it's cement. I could you know damage it in a way where if I damage a, a six dollar lighter, well, what do I care? I'm more if I'm going to spend money on stuff, I'm going to spend money on the sticks. I have one expensive lighter, and, and it's it's small. Uh, and I have an St. Dupont, which is a Fender from the, the the guitar brand, and it looks like the the Fender Starburst, like you would see uh, a Sunburst you'd see on a on, on a on a guitar and that's that lighter is quite a few hundred dollars i happen to have one of those it's the only expensive lighter that i have i have never spent more than 50 bucks on a lighter and the five ten dollar lighters always work better well the other thing i really want to look into i've seen this on amazon but i haven't made the purchases i've got a, a few zippos that i've wanted to put the torch insert i have in. one how does that work for you? Because I've seen mixed reviews on. Yeah, those. I'm a mixed review. It 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 doesn't it doesn't work great for me. It could be that specific one. Conceptually, I love the concept. I love the sound. Oh, I love the sound yeah. of opening up a Zippo. It's yeah. so good. That ping is so <laughs> perfectly classic and joyous. And no matter where you are, if someone hears that, they're like, "Wait, I know what that is." Yeah, uh, it's 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 terrific. But I haven't had great luck with it and i don't i and to, to answer the question i don't use it's it. really strange i guess there just isn't much of a demand for it but you'd think by now someone would come up with something that you could put in your zippo that would be highly effective that would would become popular because like you said man i just love the the ping of the zip the look of a zippo also you know it's in your pocket it's small you, you travel with it's it's great you would think that someone along the line would come up with something that would be reliable. Uh, but, but when you can go and get something at, at a local supermarket, uh, very often at, at my local Kroger, Firebird, yeah, makes a nice, nice lighter. It's seven bucks. What am I so, who am I fighting here? I just, I just want to light the cigar. So that's what we would suggest, Alan, and everybody else. Buy the lighter when you get there. And don't be afraid to leave it. Or bring matches on the plane. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. A new year means new opportunities and the opportunity for good luck. You see, 2023 was then, and all your bad, terrible luck, that's over. We're now into the new, Fingers Malloy. The new year means a lucky year, so we go with the lucky 13 from Widow Jane. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz. That right there is America's favorite amateur drinker. Fingers Malloy. I'm just going to take your word for it that this is going to change all my luck because I lost a crap ton of money playing video poker on New Year's Eve. That was then. That was then, Fingers Malloy. And this is now. You got to live in the now. The Widow Jane out of New York. Uh, you can find uh, their website, widowjane.com. 13-year bourbon coming in at 93 proof, which is 46.5% alcohol by volume. We were searching for a mash bill, you know, 
what they utilize to make this. You can find an undisclosed, according to some sites, oh. undisclosed mash bill. So it's like the Colonel's 11 Herbs and Spices kind of deal. All over again. That's, that's two, two KFC references for Fingers Malloy in one uh, show. We know that it's age 13 years, and we know that Widow Jane has got a pretty lovely reputation. Looking at this right here, uh, Fingers Malloy. Um, I would go with a touch, a touch of copper. You know what? Maybe not that dark. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna take that back. I'm gonna say a little bit of amber mm-hmm. right there. Uh, looking at it, uh, nice, pretty, uh, attractive uh, look. Uh, Thank you. I was talking about the bourbon. Oh, right, right there, and uh, an absolutely delicious nose. Holy mackerel! Oh, butterscotch up the wazoo. With a nice bit of vanilla. Oh, that is sweet, pretty. You know, it's, I'm not getting any oak at all on this. Hold it, on. Maybe, oh, you know, maybe at the end there. Maybe there is a little, little something, the, something. You got to stick the nose all the way in. Oh, is that what you have the to do? The schnoz has got to go oh, deep. I was smelling my hand. <laughs> Oh, that's pretty. That is really, really uh, pretty. Now, uh, from what we we do know, the rye content on the Widow Jane Lucky 13 is high. Of course, the bourbon is going to be 51% corn. It has to be in order to be bourbon according to the law. If you want to know what the laws are regarding bourbon, get our book, Let's Go Bourbon, the bourbon reader you've always needed. You can get that at Amazon.com. That's a pretty nose finger. Yeah, it is. I... Gosh, nice. I think we're starting the year off right. We might. See? Luck is already changing, (laughs) Fingers Malloy. Uh, We start it neat and then decide whether we're going to add some water or bring it to a cube. Fingers Malloy, you ready for this? Tony, I've been ready for this all year. With that, Fingers Malloy, it is time to do. See what I did there? All year? (laughs) You're an idiot. The Kentucky Chew, you're going to take a sip, move it around the palate, really get a feel for what it is. We do start it neat. Uh, of course, sometimes you want to take two sips. The first one to set the taste buds. The second sip to really get an idea of flavor. Uh, there is no ethanol on this, by the way. No ethanol on this whatsoever. Uh, it's super easy on, on the nose. And uh, also on the palate. Yeah. I mean, there is barely a sting on the tongue. No burn going down. There's a nice little bit of spice. Uh, and... There's caramel, there's there's oak, and there's something else. I don't want to say orchard, but there's something else there that I'm, I'm not able to put my finger on right now. I may have to drink more of this to figure it out. You are a great American. I'm going in, Fingers Malloy. He's going in, ladies and gentlemen. This is from Widow Jane, the Lucky 13. Here we go. He's going in. He's doing what we like to call the Saginaw Swish. You're an idiot. Um, By the way, what, what is the over-under on how many times you're going to call me an idiot today? Seven. That is... Okay. Um, okay. Um, okay. He's going in, ladies and gentlemen. He's going in for seconds. He's doing the Memphis Munch. That's oh, I nice. don't know what that is. See? 
I don't know what that is. There is a touch of citrus. There is like like a there's a sweetness. To me, it's caramel. Oh my! Oddly enough, now, now there's there's really no burn going down, and and just a slight warming center chest. There's a the, the finish has a bit of spice, which doesn't appear anywhere in the nose or in the palate. Yeah, just in 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 the finish. I if if the cube will bring down some of that sweet. I could be a happy man. And I like sweeter. But this is this is this is sweet almost in a candied way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is lovely. But the candied is more pronounced than whatever the flavor is, which to me is a it's citrusy. Uh is, is that orange? Is it tangerine? I, I, I by the way, I'm not objecting. It's, I'm not objecting to this. At all, I'm. I would love a little more oak. I would yeah. love because the oak would, to me, would cut a bit of that sweet, and, I, and then I'd be. What's right going to be interesting when you put it on a cube? I'll put a little bit of cool water in it. If if it'll bring out that oak, if it'll bring out some of the more of the spice, that's what's going to be interesting. Uh, look, I think it's it's solid. I, I I'm I'm enjoying it, and the spice in the finish has changed to like a thickness. You now feel it in the cheek. That's. I don't know if it's mine, but it's pretty. Yeah, it it is pretty. Like like you could spend some time with it. Which is super weird is that the nose is outrageously butterscotch. There's no butterscotch feel. And there's me, no butterscotch feel in 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 on on the palate or in the finish. And to me, that sweetness is is kind of a caramel. And I told you, I got mostly vanilla on the nose. Right. And with that, with that butterscotch you're talking about, but that spice is there. Uh, wow, it's it's good, it's good. Yeah, it is. The question is, fingers, is this in your liquor cabinet? I think it was. We looked it up. A hundred and fifteen dollars a bottle. It's good. It, it, it's good. You know, it's, it's funny. We got a tweet sent at us uh, right at the end of the year, and. <laughs> Basically, uh, it's from Lith Flyer on uh, X. You mean Twitter? Yeah. I hope uh, the the he was going over the bourbons of the year that we uh, uh, you know listed. Uh, he said he liked the Penelope Architect. It's hard to try stuff when it doesn't exist outside of the super swanky and elite circles in which you both move. Right, which is Mister Swanky, and I thought, oh, okay, whatever. And then here we are, one hundred and fifteen dollars a bottle. <laughs> yeah, that is a that's a hard price to swallow. But I, the bourbon's not hard to swallow. I'm telling you, guys, if you see this at your local lounge, give it a pour. I, I think it's worth your time. But man, one hundred and fifteen dollars a bottle. I just I, I just don't see it. Rough. I want to move this to a cube. Yeah. Then we can make the call. The widow Jane. The Lucky 13, they've got a series of bourbons worthy of checking out. Widow Jane. So what does it take to make a perfect medium-rare steak? Well, to start with, 
It depends on what kind of steak you're having. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz. That is Fingers Malloy. Find everything at eatdrinksmokeshow.com. When I do a ribeye, I do medium. When I do a New York strip, I do medium rare. And I think I'm correct in that one-two punch because the ribeye is going to have more fat in it. I want it to render a little bit more, so I want that temperature a little bit higher. The New York strip, the more you cook it, I believe the tougher it's going to get with less marbling uh, that takes place in a strip just because of where it comes from in the cow, so I go medium rare. That's always where I put my heat. I buy a lot of sirloin, and I do the same thing, medium rare for a sirloin, because it doesn't have as much fat. You know, you can... Especially with the reverse sear, Tony, you can make an excellent sirloin, medium rare, and have it come out wonderfully. The people over at thedailymeal.com, 19 tips for cooking a perfect medium rare steak every time. And it's tip number one, selecting the right cut of steak. It matters. The idea that I only eat my steak a certain way, I think is a mistake. And I think people fall into this this trap. Now, Now, don't get me wrong. I don't do well-done steaks. Well-done steaks is a, is, is a weird... Because it, it, it comes from one or two places. It's either a cultural thing or it's whatever it is your mom made you and you're still used to. I'll tell you. You should, get, you should get unused to that right away. I Until I started making my own steaks, I used to get them well-done. Uh, because that's how my mother would make steak. She would overcook chicken. She would overcook steak because she was so paranoid of having anything undercooked. And when I stopped eating well-done steaks, a whole new world opened up for me, Tony. (laughs) The second tip is also equally as important. Bring the steak to room temperature. Now, I know there are people out there who disagree with this uh, type of mathematics. Conceptually, though, follow how it works. If your steak is still cold in the middle and you're now throwing it on, you're not doing the reverse sear. Rather, you're doing a sear first and then you're going to let it cook. You have too many opportunities for a level of unevenness. You've got the, the, remember, steak's thawing from the outside in. So the outside may look glorious, but the inside is going to need much more time to cook. And now you've got something that isn't beautifully pink on the inside but it is brown and red. Yeah. And that's a, it could still be good, but it ain't right. And so much, just like when we talk about doing a barbecue, and we talk about doing a brisket, in which you can read about in our book, Let's Go Barbecue, available at Amazon.com. The, the, the P plus the C plus the R, the prep plus the cook plus the rest. How much time are you willing to invest in your brisket or, or whatever it is may be? The rest. You can't be so impatient that you don't let that brisket get two or, re- for me, three hours to reincorporate. You're, you're, you spent all that damn time smoking it, and now you're going to ruin it. You can't be impatient. If you're in a hurry, make a hot dog. Throw right. a burger on the grill. Uh, when you're talking about... Right in the uh, microwave with a little <laughs> bit of ketchup. <laughs> I did that for fingers. Thank you. Did that but for fingers especially long. at the, the price meat is nowadays, uh, getting a good steak, you really should take your time and and do it right. And letting it, you know, uh, pulling it right out of the refrigerator and slapping it on the grill, you're going to have a bad time. Also, um, you want to, after the steaks are at temperature, uh, paper towel, pat them dry. 
That this this list is pretty solid because those those one two three things, making sure it, it's it's getting to room temp, making sure you're utilizing the right cut of meat and then how you're going to cook that, patting it dry. These are all the prep things that help you get what you want, which is a delicious steak. Now, I, don't get me wrong. I've taken things from the refrigerator and thrown it right on the grill. And then I've eaten it, and I've never thought again. I didn't even care who was looking at me saying, my God, you're a Neanderthal. I'm cool with that. But if you want to do it right, do it right. So, you know, before we go further on the list, how do you season your steak before you put it in the pan or on the grill? So, after, before I what? Either put it in a pan or if you're going to grill it. Oh. How do you, how do you uh, season it? So, I am a salt and pepper guy. I am a kosher salt guy 99 times out, out of uh, 100. Some people like to sea salt it. Some people like to do a Himalayan pink salt. I, 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 I don't. I want what I want. It is the other things on the plate where I think one can be creative. I think one can utilize specialized types of flavors. So, for example, if you do Brussels sprouts with a steak, uh, balsamic vinegar, I think, is great. What's the matter with you? What's the matter with me? Brussels sprouts. What's the oh, matter with you? Brussels sprouts are so good. Roasted Brussels sprouts, roasted broccoli, so, so good. But, like, for example, balsamic vinegar, like, that's a great accent flavor. But the steak, I believe, should engage a classical feel. That said, while I was away on vacation, I was visiting the family in Florida. I had a New York strip with truffle oil and Parmesan. That is not something I would normally do. It was lovely. Really? It really was absolutely lovely. Every rare now and again. Not what I want as a standard. But it was it, it, it felt good. I was like, okay, this is fun. I like this. Okay. I mean, I'm just trying to imagine how much of the truffle oil had an impact on the flavor of the steak. Oh, oh, oh a fair I amount. Mean, a fair amount. So you I, really have to like truffle oil. Oh, yes, you do. And daddy does. In this conversation, fingers boy, I am daddy. I'll take that over Brussels sprouts. Um, then there's a question of, are you going to do it on a pan, right? Pan or, 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 or grill? I'm a cast iron guy. I am a cast iron guy. Uh, I will be getting a, a, don't yell at me, I'm getting a gas grill to go along with the Traeger because you smoke on the Traeger, you got a grill on a grill. I'm sorry, I've tried a Traeger grilling, uh, getting the, uh, yeah, I have the aluminum grates from you. It was a gift from you, Fingers Malloy. And it does, you can get a hotter temperature, you can get a sear, flavor's not the same. Flavor's not the same, I have thrown in the towel on this. My Traeger is a brilliant, brilliant invention for what it is. It is not a grill. The, the, that's why the next book coming out uh, Christmas 2024 is Let's Go Grill. Wait, uh, this is happening? Oh, this is happening. Okay. Not only are we doing Let's Go Let's Go Grilling, or is it going to be Let's Go Grill? I think it's going to be Let's, Let's Go, Go Grill. grill. Yeah. Uh, right. Thank you, Fingers. I'm glad you, you agreed. Version two of Let's Go Bourbon. Oh. We have a lot to add to that book right there. So this will be version two, now with more bourbon. Nice. That's, that's how we're, we're going to write it. Uh, it's better uh, than Electric Boogaloo. Well, uh, but I, cast iron. I utilize my cast iron all the time. I hear you about cast iron, but let's talk about Teflon for a minute. What? I don't even know what you mean. I got to get a cast iron grill. I don't Or a cast iron. My, I have cast iron grates on my grill. I need a, a cast iron pan. I do not have one. Oh, you should have one. Yeah. 
you should have one. Flip your steak frequently for even cooking. Yes, yes, yes. On on, on a cast iron, yes. Okay. And also do the sides. Do the sides. Like if you're dealing with a, a strip, you absolutely want to caramelize that up. You absolutely want to get the heat coming through that way. A hundred percent. That's interesting because I don't do that on a grill. But you're reverse searing. You've yeah. got a whole different like like mathematics. Yeah. That you're for people who don't know. Describe a reverse sear. So the reverse sear is you put it on your grill at a low temperature, 200, 225, until you get it to, I don't know, 105, 110 degrees internal. You take the steaks off. You crank that grill up to 550, 600 degrees. You throw the uh, steak back on 90 seconds aside to get that crust, that sear that you want. And to me, steak comes out perfect every time when I do that. I, I, I haven't done. I shouldn't say I haven't done it yet. I've done it once or twice. I don't think I, I have perfected it. And then there's the idea of finishing your steak in the oven. This is not a bad idea. And if you're someone who does cast iron, get the sear. Make sure you feel nice about that crust. Then uh, you you put it in in your your oven to get the temperature 375. That's a good temperature. Whole cast iron goes in. Comes out a few minutes later. Next thing you know, uh, you let it rest because you got to let it rest. Let the juices reincorporate. And then you're eating like a king. All that talk about Nespresso. Because <laughs> now I'm looking at now I'm looking at the machines. How much are they? Well, you can spend like you can you can get the Vertuo. Uh, I think it's pronounced right, uh, which is the uh, smaller one. One hundred and eighty bucks. Or you could spend $9 million. <laughs> it's one or the other. Well, in the swanky circles you find yourself in, maybe you need the million-dollar coffee maker. I do not. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz. That is Fingers Malloy. We skipped it, Fingers, and that's unallowed. Not allowed. It is verboten. It is time for News of the Week. Well, this is a local story out of Indianapolis, but it can spark a larger conversation about the challenges that restaurants and bars are fa- facing nationwide uh, from a WRTV two local uh, bars here that are actually part of chains closed on New Year's Day in Indianapolis Bar Louie uh, and also uh, the World of Beer both locations closed in Indianapolis and uh, the real money quote uh, in this WRTV story is that uh, the economics behind restaurant ownership can be challenging. The National Restaurant Association reported that uh, 90% of restaurant owners are worried about the price of food going uh, into uh, the, the coming year. So, so isn't it, wait, you had another story about Fridays, TGI Fridays. Yes. They closed like 30 locations? 36 locations in several states in California, uh, Connecticut, uh, Massachusetts, Maryland, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York. You know, a lot of places where you think to yourself, well, maybe it is extra expensive to run a restaurant in these states because of regulation. So you've got a combination of high labor costs between whether it's a state saying, okay, you've got to pay uh, restaurant workers maybe $20 an hour, or you've got the uh, increased pressures when it comes to the labor shortages, and you've got to pay more people anyway because that's what the market uh, is making you do. And then, of course, inflationary pressures with uh, you know your your bar, you know the beer and liquor sales, and then on, on, and food 
it's really challenging. You're seeing these are chains that are closing down. Yeah, the the, the food cost thing is certainly interesting because as, as we've discussed it, so much of this economic conversation is a labor conversation. Finding the people, never mind affording them. A bunch of states just raised their minimum wage and there are people mad. We talk about Indiana. Indiana didn't raise its minimum wage. Now, I'm somebody who opposes the minimum wage because I believe it prevents people, you know, I'm a a believer in Milton Friedman. It prevents people from negotiating in their best interest. It it prevents people from from creating opportunities and and I think think that I'm not like I defend that. I can argue that with, with, with anybody. But raising the minimum wage makes things unaffordable. And no one benefits when there's no job. They just don't benefit. This actually ties into a story that drove me nuts uh, this week where the, the, the Federal Reserve last month, December, they said we're not raising interest rates and we are looking at three rate cuts in 2024. And the markets went crazy. The markets went through the roof. And for a lot of people, it was a bad year right until the end. And all of a sudden, their 401k is up and they're happy. And I'm not saying no. I want the market to do well. I want your, I want my 401k to do well, yours. Uh, I want that to be good. Then somebody took a look at the minutes of the meeting. Oh, no. And the minutes of the meeting are pretty clear that, oh, they'd like to do rate cuts. They have no idea what's going to happen. They said the words rate cuts. Everybody went crazy, but there's no basis for the rate cut. Isn't that the most 2023 story and what impact it has possible when you just look at the headline and people gravitate to the headline and everybody focuses on, oh, rate cuts. Oh, that's great. And the market goes crazy. But you actually have to dig a little deeper to find out that the, it may not actually happen. I, I lost my mind because it, it is so true. I, I talk a lot to this economist, uh, Dr. Matt Will. He's at the University of Indianapolis. And he talks about the those people on Wall Street just being drug addicts. <laughs> not 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 in the Wolf of Wall Street way. Well, uh, but just the, the, all they just any little bit of good news, they'll run crazy. It's not necessarily backed up by anything. They don't know if they're going to be able to do rate cuts. I'll believe it when I see it. And the minutes say exactly that, and you're like, oh, that's not. That's not, that is not something to bank on. But it's also the fault of corporate media, isn't it? That they just gravitate on that and not dig, dig deeper into the story and how this has an impact on the economy. Sure, that's great when it comes to your 401k and how the stocks uh, spiked up. But then you have a story out, you know, from Fox Business that talks about how mortgage demand has plummeted Again, despite these drops in interest rates, because people, I think, well, first of all, it does stink to move in the winter. There's that. But also, I think people are saying to themselves, well, why should I buy now when I'm being told that interest rates may drop significantly, well, this year, further down the road? And you have the issue with inventory. There's nothing out there. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it is an incredible problem. Mix that with people who are like, I'm fine with renting. It costs less to rent than to buy right now. We went through these numbers, and this was, this was a last month number. The average rental monthly price 
is $2,000 a month, $1,992. The average monthly mortgage payment, $3,322. That's a holy damn on damn, kid. Well, the other thing, too, is I wonder if we're going to start seeing an adjustment in thinking by the American consumer when it comes to homes. Because you're saying right now, and it, the data seems to be clear, that more people are interested in renting. We've gotten to the point, I feel like, in the last 10 years, where the appetite for a starter home for many Americans, it's gotten ridiculously huge. Where, you know, our parents growing up, a starter home was a 1,500-square-foot ranch, and they were fine with it. It's my starter home. And then they may have found... That they could live with that and stayed in that home for 30 years. Now it's like everything has to be 2,500, 3,000 square feet, four bedroom, three bath, the stainless steel, yeah. the granite. Oh. And then everyone's looking around like, well, why is my starter home $450,000? Well, it's because it's 1,000 square feet more than what people were fine with, say, 30 years ago. It's, it's because the, the purchaser is unreasonable. This is this is what I have to have. Oh my gosh! I have watching those shows on, on on like Home and Garden HGTV. Yeah, uh, and uh, you don't make enough money for this house, and you have demands, <laughs> demands. And these people, these people all need psychological testing. Oh, well, I'll tell you the other thing too is I I just don't know how people survive in in states like California and you're seeing people move out of California because everything has gotten so expensive uh you know I cut the cord like a year and a half ago but before I did I would find myself on one of these cable network uh shows where you know it'd be a couple looking for three houses the three houses to choose from one is uh you know a, a fixer-upper and one would be middle of the road, and the other one would be more of their dream house. And they're looking around in suburban Los Angeles, and it'd be like a 1,200-square-foot ranch, and it'd be $1.5 million. Yeah. They'd be like, are you, are you kidding me? The amount of people that I've talked to that have moved from, say, California to the Midwest and see what kind of house that they can get for three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000 versus what they had to pay in California. I don't know how people do it. Uh, I, I lived in California. And I can tell you, I don't know how they do it either. The Widow Jane Lucky 13, try it at your local lounge, for sure. Let us know the flavors you're getting out of that. As for the Room 101, the 10th anniversary, this is in my humidor. This is an absolutely lovely, lovely stick. I'm sorry it took us so long to review Room 101, but man, was it worth the wait. The 10th anniversary, and there's the 11th and the 12th and the 13th. You can try those from Room 101 Cigars. Find everything at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. Follow Eat, Drink, Smoke on social media, on Twitter, at GoEatDrinkSmoke, on Facebook, Facebook.com slash EatDrinkSmoke, and Instagram, at EatDrinkSmokePodcast.